A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. This podcast is a Royfield Brown production. Find others on iTunes. All right. Yeah, I know. Hi, I'm Sarah Smith. If you're the type of person that goes to liberty as other people would go on safari, and the fact that John Lewis doesn't have a funeral service makes you fret, Sarah Smith cleaning cloths are for you. Sarah Smith, available from Sainsbury's for the Posher Washer. Proud sponsors of Dumpty Dum. Hi, Ross. How are you well? It's uh, Lester Day, Dave Lanzel, uh, my first time calling in, and I've done you a dumpty dum, which I hope you like. I hope it works all right. All right, mate. This is Dumbly Dum, the show about the reality lucky drama that is centred on Ambridge in the heart of the Midlands. I am the Perry Perry Chicken Wrap, that is Royfield Brown. With me, I have the damp egg sandwich, that is Lucy Freeman. And with us, we have Sarah Thornton. What the weather? Ooh. We've got <laughs> a big weather cheese with us this week, folks. And the last part of our cricket tea, folks, is you. Now, today's Dumbly Dum is from Dave from Leicester, City of Champions. Uh, Lucy. Uh, if somebody wants to send in a Dumpty Dum, how can they do that? If you would like to sing us a Dumpty Dum, give us a plot prediction or visit your estranged best friend in prison but not take any recording equipment in with you so that no one else can hear what's going on, then ring us on 0203 <laughs> or leave us a message on SpeakPipe. Thank you to Cosmo for his, cos- pod- for his podcast roundups, to Sarah Smith for sponsoring us and to Derek for the Loaded Back Bedroom. Uh, Derek's annoyed uh, at the moment. He's uh, read the paper this morning. There's some silly scientific research. Apparently, the University of Durham has proved a link between penis size and intelligence. And Derek says it's not big and it's not clever. <laughs> oh, that's quite good this week. I enjoyed that one. Um, on this week's episode, we have calls from Miriam, who's a Sam, Steve, who's got plans for Anna to bog and Auntie Jean, love me, Auntie Jean. Is going to kill Shula. Get in the queue, Auntie Jean. <laughs> um, 
because I tell you somebody else who wants to kill or kill Auntie Shuler is old Sarah, Sarah Thornton. Yeah. But anyway, uh, Kevin, who's frustrated, Maeve, who's clearing the decks for the trial, Paul, who's worried about Charlotte, Witherspoon, who's cautiously optimistic. That's good. That's yeah. very good. And, yeah. and, 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 Blythe Spirit, who wants a word with Freddie. Now, before I say, but first, let's have Lucy's Week in Ambridge. We have received a shared load of calls, folks. And um, I, I, need to, I need to say to you that uh, we record on a Monday for the, for the most part. Um, so if you're going to call in on a Monday, you're going to miss miss us, aren't they, Lucy? Because, uh, yes. you know, yeah. uh, we, we kind of get our ducks in a row and get things sorted slightly yeah. beforehand. So I think, folks, if you want to aim to get on this show, your cutoff should be Sunday. And I would actually yeah. say Sunday afternoon. Yes. Because otherwise, uh, things get a little bit hectic in Dumby Dumb Cup Towers. of tea time on Sunday afternoon, yeah. which is four o'clock, mm. is cup of tea time. Now, we always try and include every call. Uh, but going forward, because the amount that we're getting, um, yeah. Yeah, it's probably probably not going to be able to do so. But anyway. Probably, if you can, sorry, but if you can, mm. try and get it to two minutes at the most. Yes. Otherwise, they're just so the show's just getting longer and longer mm. and longer, and people are going to have to start giving up work in order to listen. Yeah. So, yes, just two minutes if you can. That would be fab. And also, do, do remember this is our show, and want, we want to hear ourselves talk for the most part. <laughs> so, so, all right. So, if you want to go over two minutes, right, you're going to incur our wrath for <laughs> other reasons other than <laughs> editorial. But anyway. But first, let's have Lucy V. Freeman's Week in Ambridge. We began the week with the cricket team playing Wimbledon. The Wombles of Wimbledon, rubbish are we? They were pottering around, picking up old crisp packets. No wonder even Ambridge could beat them, especially when I'm there. <laughs> especially when Uncle Bulgaria went first into bat. The situation at Grange Farm has still not improved. They are now suffering from rising damp, sinking spirits, and the only thing that's dry is the rot. I'm waiting to sort something out, said Eddie. No, you're waiting for your dad to die. It's different. Eddie, with his usual kamikaze tendencies, has pissed off the two people that could actually help him, i.e. Oliver and William, by filling Oliver's house with pigs and getting all William's pheasants pissed. I don't want to end my days on the green, said Joe. Well, you've spent enough of your evening spread-eagled on it, love. You may as well make a night of it. Little Lord Freddy Roy had a look around Borchester College, which he seemed to think was Grange Hill. He didn't like it because it was a bit common. The drugs are far more expensive at the cathedral school, but they are organic, so it swings and roundabouts, really. Elizabeth did her very best, which isn't very good, really, to put a brave face on it by saying, Josh says this teacher is cool which was the kiss of death, if ever there was one. Richard <laughs> told her not to worry, as Freddie was a sensible boy, which he said based on meeting him for half an hour and his urgent desire to shut Elizabeth up so he could have a fertile with her tent flaps. Mm. Elizabeth was not going to be rushed, though. Give me time, she said. About ten minutes should do it, then try again. Shula, in her <laughs> drive to be the most rejected woman in Ambridge, made the world's smelliest collection of sandwiches for the cricket tea. Egg, meat paste and tuna. In other words, a fart, a poo, and some cat food. Meat paste? Do they even <laughs> make that anymore? This is a woman who prides herself on her cooking and can knock up a pavlova with one hand while giving Alistair a rub down with some saddle soap with the other. Horse paintings! What a load of rubbish. 
Tom and Ruth had a day out looking at meat. It's so nice to be able to think about something completely different, said Tom. Oh, I know, said Ruth caringly. So how is your sister who is in prison for attempted murder? Uh, Two elderly ladies decided to cheer up their single heartbroken control freak lesbian relative by making her go on holiday with them. Genius idea! What kind of thing would she like, worried Jill. Stoke Newington? Hebden Bridge. They opted for a Sound of Music tour, with Anna dressed up as a nun and Jill Archer as the Gestapo. Ian visited Helen in hospital, apparently. I wouldn't Uh. know what happened, because we didn't hear anything! Shula had yet another, oh, I don't know, Caroline, conversation with her agony aunt Sloan Ranger friend. She confessed (laughs) to Caroline that it was something silly that was worrying her. God, was she right. No one ate my sandwiches. Yaw, said Caroline. They kept saying chicken piri piri. It's piri piri chicken. Is there not a Nando's in Borsetshire? Next to the homeless shelter, maybe. Surely Jack's has been turned into a Nando's by now. Anyway, if I had a choice between meat paste, egg and tuna, I think I'd opt for one of Harrisman's slippers, never mind Fallon's vintage cucumber torpedoes. Yaw, Caroline, had a saying, well, if we can't sell the farm, that's the end of Tuscany. Well, not really. Tuscany will probably carry on without you, to be honest, Caroline. It's managed for a couple of millennia. I'm sure it can do without another middle-aged woman putting up white linen curtains, flapping on about the smell of the sage and doing Lucy Honeychurch impressions. Jill was putting mouth guards on the bees. She spoils those things. Richard enjoyed a night at the opera, cuddled up with Lizzie under a blanket with a bottle of champagne. Shula spent the night squashed between Carol Toboggan and her mother under an old dog blanket, sharing a flask of Carol's prune and insole tea. And the case of the century... Anna Toboggan is going to make a bad character application to the court. For those of you that aren't up on the legal jargon, unlike me, that means she points at Rob and says to the jury, you see him, him over there, he is a bad character. Boo! And so say all of us. (laughs) Yet! That's quite good this week. I I enjoyed that. What did you reckon, Sarah? Was it up to Lucy's... Was it? Yeah, incisive, insightful. You know, I like particularly the way that this week she's really got to the nub of things. You know, and and I like the fact that she's a critical friend. Sometimes it's all good and sometimes she likes to say, well, that didn't work, did it? You're full of the blarney you are. You haven't heard a thing. (laughs) We've recorded this a day before. But I know how it's going to go. And so I think I I feel really on on safe ground. I'm on terra firma to say all those things about Lucy's monologue about the week just gone. Hmm. Is that your favourite bit of the Dumbly Dum show? I really do enjoy that, actually, because it reminds me of things that annoyed me through the week. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, you, you hear it on a Sunday night, you think, here we go, fresh week. You know, you kind of clap your hands, rub your hands together, and off we go. Mm-hmm. And by Tuesday, you've forgotten what happened on Sunday. I find this. And by <laughs> Thursday, I'm shouting at the radio as if it's all new to me. And Sunday is just a distant memory. So it's nice to have that catch up. You know, what you've just described to me there is me with the weather you're you're gonna have to convince me that the weather is an important phenomenon because or i just kind of look out look out the window and that for me is where the the weather starts and ends but you're going to tell me it's much more important than that now well of course i I think it is Mm. but well for a start royfield yeah i don't want to get personal please do you have you have very little hair 
Okay. So, <laughs> so like if you walk out the door and mm. it starts to rain, I don't know that you care that much. Now, Lucy and I, we've got some hair to be dealing with. So there's that. It's not all just about that, though, of course. If you've got children, you've got to get them out the door in the morning and it's mm. dry, but you don't know if it's going to be uh, wet or dry when you come home. A lot of people do say to me, actually, I don't care about the weather. I just deal with what comes my way. But if you're mm. a commuter in and out of you know a big city, and especially London, you've got to deal with that kind of that wet, shaggy dog smell on a bus or a mm. tube that's horrendous isn't it and you want to be aware of that also people get their grumpy rain faces on don't they when they're commuting especially at the end of a day but actually i mean i i think it is really important of course you know just to get serious for just half a second we are sometimes protecting life limb and property aren't we when we talk about the weather but i'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna pull you back right because i'm quite upset with you already Right. This is oh, not a good way for us to start a conversation. I am. Yes, I'm practically bald. Well, I'm bald. OK, so I have a very close relationship with precipitation closer than you. I would say when it rains okay. on my head, you know, I feel it. You know, there's no no barriers between my, my skull and, uh, and and the wetness. So but you can always carry a little skull cap hat with you, can't you, at any time and just whip it on. You don't have to worry about <laughs> hat hair, the frizz issue. Oh, mm. my goodness me. So my parents live in Florida mm-hmm. and I've just been out there for the last couple of weeks enjoying uh, some of the you know delights of Florida and, you know, the mouse and all of that business and mm. on the rides. And the frizz factor, you know, ranges from a nine to a ten every single day on a given day you know on a scale of one to ten whereas in britain you can go anywhere from a zero to a ten in the space of about an hour can't you so you don't have to worry about that at the very least you're a handsome man you always look great no matter what if you've got a hat on or not when you says you're a handsome man were you flirting with me directly or was that just in general if you're a man and you can just wear a hat (laughs) It was you, but I think it probably... Steady, Most steady. of the Archer's listeners, yeah. Well, anyone who listens to Dum Dum, uh, basically, you know, we are, we're all of a mind, aren't we? We're all of one heart. Ah. Oh. How long have you been doing the weather on the TV? Never ask a lady her age, but, it's, you know, 15 <laughs> years, probably. <laughs> and why time. is it that you've kind of found yourself not only a fan of the Archers, but, you know, doing the weather on the Beeb? Tell me about your, your career path. Uh, so I actually uh, was always interested in the weather and partly because I grew mm-hmm. up in America and I lived in, uh, I lived around America, but mostly for the bulk of my teenage years, I lived in Pittsburgh and Pennsylvania. And Pittsburgh so you had amazing Steelers. Pittsburgh Steelers, go Steelers, black and gold. That's it. Exactly. Yeah. And, the and Penguins, uh, that's, that's the only thing I know about Pittsburgh and its sporting teams. They always wear black and gold. That's very good. Black and gold. And the Penguins, we've got the Penguins and the ice hockey as mm-hmm. well. And uh, basically, Pennsylvania is a great state for weather. You have four proper seasons. You know, you get some real lake effect snow from Lake Erie in the Mm -hmm. winter. You've also got some mountains so you can do some skiing. And you have really properly hot summers. So I really lived this sort of halcyon childhood of, you know, hot in the summer, out and about all the time on the bikes, playing outside. You know, and in the winter, ice skating, cross-country skiing, and then downhill skiing as well. I also lived for a number of years next door to one of the local weathermen on telly. And I knew by this point that I wanted to be a broadcaster. It was always in my head that I wanted to be a TV newsreader. Was it a bit of nepotism that got you in then? 
No, it absolutely wasn't. No, no, that's the interesting thing because oh, I just okay. lived next door to him. This was in Pittsburgh, nothing ah. to do with it. But I admired him from afar, but I always sort of thought of him as a you know, really quite a kind of top level scientist until he confided in me that actually he wasn't a meteorologist first and foremost. He was a broadcaster and he sort of went into weather. Anyway, and then we came back to Britain, I went to university, my parents abandoned me and went back to America. <laughs> I was sort of <laughs> they did as well. It's and a bit I was, like um Brian and Jennifer abandoning Rory at like boarding school. That type it's of exactly abandonment. The same. Oh, okay. That's ex- right. Yes, exactly. And Rory, I feel for you, Rory. I know what it's like to. Well, and also that means that I would be akin with with Rob Titchener, always sent to boarding school, and I am mm. not in any way affiliated with that man. So the thing is, I, I I went to university and I did my postgrad in broadcast journalism, and I went into the BBC and I was a, a newsreader on the radio and then on TV. And then I went across to ITV and I was a newsreader there, but I really wanted to do the weather. I still had this massive hankering for it and I managed to persuade my bosses to send me off for Met training and then that was it. And that was Ah. in 2002. So I lived abroad for a long time and I listened to the Archers religiously while I lived abroad. We lived in Brussels for four years and then in uh, Washington, D.C. for a year. And the Archers was really my touchstone and I really fell into it because I was working at the BBC. I was listening to Radio 4 all the time and that's how I found my love of it. So I fell into the Archers and I fell into weather. So I've been very lucky. So, right, the Archers. Uh, What vintage are you? What is the major character you can remember entering the Archers? So, yeah, so I was listening to last week's podcast and you Mm -hmm. were saying you have to replace your last name with the name of the character that you remember coming in. Mm -hmm. So I guess I'm probably going to go with Sarah Craig Macy because I'm I'm an older vintage than that, but Mm -hmm. I really can't remember anyone coming in before Ian Craig and Adam came back from his travels as well. Mm -hmm. Um, They didn't come back together, but yeah, I'm going to go with those two really. First of all, Adam coming back and then Ian... I lived abroad for five years and it really was my letter back to England, as it were, or back to Britain. It really kept me in touch, especially uh-huh. living in Brussels, where everyone was, no one around me really was speaking English. I tuned in every single night online to listen and it made me feel that I was still at home. Now, I have to pivot in our conversation, kind of from the world of uh, the weather onto the archers and we can't be kind of getting there do you reckon there would be cold fronts whacking up lakey hill off of the river am <laughs> well i'm not quite au fait with the topography mm-hmm. of ambridge in the way that i should be or borsetchester sistershire as i like to call it in my house uh, <laughs> in general i mean obviously we know that there's some low ground and we know that because of you know the flood oh yes um although we're not sure how much the flood came down to topography and mm-hmm. the way that the weather really set in or if someone blocked up the culverts anyone we know that did that by any chance mm. i actually do have done the weather for midlands today yes and so i'm kind of aware of that sort of area in terms mm-hmm. of the doing the weather a lot of flat ground there of course but you do have some hills and uh, of course what you get is some blocking in terms of the weather Blocking. out towards the Welsh hills, because the Welsh hills will often take out, you know, they'll have a lot of rain on the western side of the slopes, the upslopes, and there will be some kind of a shadow effect on mm-hmm. the lee side or the eastern side, which kind of favours somewhere like Borsetshire quite nicely. Oh, all right. So considering you kind of have just made that up, you sounded pretty authoritative. 
Well, I've given it some thought in the wake of the floods, especially. And my good friend, Rebecca, my colleague, mm. uh, did the weather forecast, if you remember, for the arches when it was the flood, because we had some very intense thundery downpours, which led to that really intense rainfall mm. and gave the flood-like uh, conditions. But the flood, I think, was exacerbated by someone blocking that culvert. Uh, further up the hill, which of course sort of deviated the weather, uh, the rain. But the interesting thing, of course, about weather and flooding is, so the Met Office, and I work mm-hmm. at the Met Office, yep. um, we're sort of responsible, as it were, for the rain as it's falling through the sky. But when it hits the ground, that's all What do you mean responsible? Like, it's like well, you started it. The Met Office yeah, exactly. starts the weather. <laughs> Cloud seeding, it's not a myth, no. Uh, no. Just that we watch it when it comes from the sky. Oh, but as soon as okay. it hits the ground, mm-hmm. then it becomes the responsibility of the Environment Agency and they have their fluviologists and people who really understand the way that the water moves on the ground and how it leads to flooding. Good heavens. This is all a proper thing, isn't it? I know. I, I want to make it more light-hearted. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you, you bring me on to the Met Office because I'm imagining that um, script writers, I don't mean in, in the Archers, I just mean in general you know, drama land, have missed a trick. Because I can imagine that weather people, hotbed of sex and kind of advancement and backbiting and bitching, tell me I'm wrong. I've always thought that, you know, the good old Michael Fish back in the day, he was a bit of a Rob Titchener. Am I wrong? I mean, if you think I would come on, <laughs> on this program and say, yes, okay. you're right. All right. Let, 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 okay, Let's, I'm going to make this easy for you. A bit of a low ball, right? Considering that um, your cast of colleagues are all, you know, great characters and whatever yeah. in their own right, yeah? yeah. Um, which uh, which uh, of your colleagues would be David Archer and why? Um... Oh, gosh. Uh, Phil Avery, uh, mm-hmm. very good friend of mine, Philip Avery. And he is, well, David's probably just, a, yeah, you know, he's that sort of father type and he bit looks bland. after everyone. I, you know, there's a bit too much sighing from David for my liking uh-huh. sometimes. And, you know, it's always, oh, well, Ruth, isn't it? You know, there's a lot of that going on. And right. uh, Pip would be more positive than that. But I think, you know, he very much keeps an eye on everyone, right. makes sure everyone's all right. Let, let's move up the gears. Um, which one would be Kenton? A bit of a joker. Uh, oh, that's a good one, actually. Matt Taylor a bit. Mm-hmm. Matthew Taylor is very humorous. And uh, he's one of Bad the... Bad with I mean, money, then. Matt no, Taylor, no, you've no, heard it, no, folks. No, first, Matt Taylor's bad with money. And... No, he's, not, he's, he's the <laughs> nicest person in the world, actually, Matt Taylor, as well. And Kenton, I think, is, always strikes me as, you know, even when he's messing around, he's a bit work shy at times, or he used to be, didn't he? Um, <laughs> Matt Taylor's not at all. He's the all opposite right. of that. But he's, they're both very nice, I think, inherently very all nice right. people. Okay, here's one. Toby Fairbrother. Oh, yeah, that's a good one, isn't it, really? Mm. I don't think we've got anyone like that in Stop the group, it. actually. No. When all no you lot are consulting your seaweed to figure out what the weather's going to be like tomorrow, there's got to be someone who's, who's you know, he's, he's, he's a little bit kind of cuddly, shall we say. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, if there were, there might mm. be, but I'm not going to say who it is. <laughs> no one, listen, whisper, whisper it, no one listens to this podcast. <laughs> enough people listen that i won't i won't name names there i think um i have been accused in the past of mm-hmm. being um 
I don't know, maybe a cross between Jennifer, but I don't, I don't think I am quite Jennifer. But you know what I mean? I'm organising, and I, I don't know, maybe I, li- I like to think I'm more of a Lillian than anything. You know, really. Pass me a G and T. I'm anyone's. Do you know what I mean? No, not anyone's, but well, maybe, maybe anyone's. <laughs> good side. You're girl. a good event and party organizer, and Thanks. you have great social links throughout the county. And a Linda Snell, a bit. I have been accused of being a Linda Snell. But oh, you know, you you're conflating in... everybody now. You can't. You can't. I'm Jennifer, Lillian, and um, and Linda. I like to think I'm a pleasant mix of all three of those. A nice fragrant mix. The weather. You're kind of convincing me that it is interesting. Right. Okay. So, what's your favourite type of weather front, and why? Uh, I like a good old thunderstorm. Uh, I saw plenty of them when I was in Florida. We don't get so many here, although we have had a lot of thundery activity over the summer. So, when you get those really great, intense thundery downpours in a summer, mm. the ones where you can't say for sure where they're going to be. Mm. Now, we're often accused. In fact, I was accused today of this of just saying, "Oh, you say scattered showers," when you don't really know what the weather's doing but that's absolutely not true the thing about scattered showers especially those intense thundery downpours that develop in the summer because they develop with the wait a minute you know when you guys say scattered showers isn't that Uh kind of hedging your bets no exactly that's what people say but it's like this if you put a pot of water on to boil on Mm -hmm. the stove no one could say exactly where the first bubble was going to appear in that pot and that's exactly what it's like with these daytime heavy thundery showers that develop in the summer. You're just waiting for the first bang, the first bubble to appear, really, or the first kernel of popcorn to pop, if you were going to put it like that. Difficult to say exactly where that would be. You're good. You explain <laughs> things really well. Thank you. <laughs> so what's quintessentially more British? Love of the archers, a love stroke hate relationship with the weather or a cup of tea? Oh, my goodness me. Oh, no. You could not pick out of those, could you? I'm telling you, you have to. Well, listen, I'm telling you what I do. Your career at the Beeb as a weather person depends on a sensible answer. I basically spend my time, this is genuinely true, with a cup of tea in one hand. You listen to the archers. I genuinely do this. Listen to the archers in the background in my kitchen. And I might be looking at the weather charts at the same time genuinely true then you're combining all three loves you couldn't get more british than that everyone's happy you're good thinking on your feet i don't trust (laughs) you at all (laughs) it's true i'm telling you now later after a shaky episode on the archers i may well then reach for the scotch that's probably likely that's what i'm doing at 702 by 716 it's all very very different surely if you've got a bit of lillian inside you it's a bit of gin you're reaching for How do you listen to Dum De Dum then? Uh, online, I've been downloading it the last couple of weeks and listening mm-hmm. to it, and um, I really enjoyed the listeners ringing in and giving their thoughts. When you hear other people say stuff, you think, "Oh, I thought that, but I didn't know that." You know, I thought maybe everyone was thinking that it was obvious, and you realise it wasn't. So I'm kind of glad to have discovered a whole cohort of people who share the same passion as me and want to talk about it because. I go around the world and I'm like, you know, it's it's a bit like an underground society. You sort of It is. You know, you look at people, you think, could it be you? Are you one of us? Are you in? Am I in with you? Well, you know what you're you supposed look... to say. What, what is, is it? What which is, is it? the secret dum dum code. I really enjoyed it this week. That that's the that's the secret phrase. And if they then go, 
oh yes, you know, I really did enjoy Lucy's monologue. Then you know you're in. And they're ah. not only an Archer's fan, but they're a secret Dumpty Dumber Dumpty well. Dumb fan. Fantastic. I'm doing mm. it from now on. That's it. Yeah. That is all I'm doing. Because I, I, I talk to people about the Archers a lot. Mm-hmm. And it, it is amazing the kind of, the breadth of people who listen to it. People that you wouldn't expect, I find. Uh, sometimes I think we hear a bit too much about modern practices. And I tell mm. you, I've never used the word enterprise in my life. <laughs> and everyone on the Archers is always talking about this enterprise or that enterprise, just in common parlance. I never say it. Maybe they're Trekkies. But- <laughs> Maybe. Do you say it? Do you ever say Enterprise to someone? When I'm talking about the first and original series of Star Trek all the time. <laughs> but does anyone ever say, well, I hear Royfield's got a new Enterprise in which he's... No, you don't do. No, you know what? You're right. But then again, people don't say right you are. But that, that's, you know, but that, that's just you know the encapsulated world of the Archers. Quick fire round. Number one, who's your favourite Dumpty Dum presenter? Royfield Well done. Number two, who is your favourite dum-de-dum caller in a row? <laughs> I don't know. I've forgotten her name. Lady someone or another. I heard it the other day and I thought, yes, I get you. You've got me. And I also like the lady from Canada. Thingy from Cannes. Oh, Jan from Cannes. Jan I, from Cannes. I love I've Jan got, from Cannes. I have a bit of an affinity with Jan from Cannes because mm-hmm. I feel like she's like how I used to be when I was listening from abroad to the Archers and you're kind of trying to hold on to something of Britain from another country or continent even. So, yeah, Jan from Cannes. Okay, good. And then the last question, which Archer's character would make the best weather person? I'm sorry, I'm not... I'm, I'm, I'm actually running through every single one of them on my mind going, no, 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 no. I mean, I hate to say it, Toby... Oh, I can't believe I've just said that out loud. But you've got to think that Toby probably does have something about him that would translate well on the television. Whether or not he would do a lot of preparatory work before he went on air <laughs> is, is not a discussion. I suspect not. Although he'd be like, oh, who's that lovely makeup lady over in the corner? I'll just go and see what she's all about. And then he'd be stumbling on air. <laughs> but he's a blagger, isn't he? And I think he'd get away with it. I'm not saying we blag because we do do a lot of uh, background work before mm-hmm. we go on air. But I, I don't know. Yeah, maybe him. Mm. You know what? I'm a bit of a mapper file, and there is prop- there's obviously a proper work- word for that, but I don't know what it is. But I do love an ISO bar. I really do. Oh, okay. Yeah, I do. You do- know what you- you know what an isobar is, do you? I'm, I'm only saying that, and that sounded patronising. I really it did. didn't mean it. To I've me. really gone quite off. No, it's you. just because so often. Mm. In fact, I have this debate a lot at mm. work, um, particularly at the Met Office, where I, I sort of say, "But do people understand what a met, what an isobar is?" Do, you know, it's a very fine line to trade actually when we broadcast to people because we have to assume some knowledge, but at the same time, we can't assume too much. Otherwise, okay. when you don't mean right. to. I thought an isobar was on the map. It's those uh, those lines uh, that describe um, the difference between high and low pressure and the de- degradations between them. Yes. Amazing. Well, did you ask me which dum dum presenter would make a better weather presenter? Because maybe <laughs> we found our answer. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't ask you that. But um, <laughs> I'm somewhat disappointed because before we move off on to another section which is our caller in um, you haven't been sycophantic enough. 
when we did our pre-chat, you said you're going to be a fan girl, you're going to be totally sycophantic, and you haven't been at all. I think I said you were handsome, did I not, earlier on? What? I've got a face for podcasting, that old one. <laughs> I didn't say that at That's all. exactly um, what you said. Oh, the oh, Isabar thing, though, you're, mm. you're really right about that. And, I, I, you know, I applaud you, really, because... I have asked people who've been around the weather before, not not meteorologists or mm. forecasters, obviously, but people who've kind of been around and, and they can't really explain it. And you did a really good job of explaining it. Because one of the reasons why we'd show a pressure map is to either show an area of high pressure, which mm. I refer to as our fair weather friend, or low pressure, which tends to be, you know, a, a wet area of rain or whatever coming in it could be you know it could be snow even um and also some really strong winds and the more isobars or white lines you've got on a map the windier the conditions are likely to be so in the autumn you'll see an area of low pressure deep depression we might call it with lots of white lines or isobars around it and that would suggest some really windy conditions coming our way whereas could could you call like a mild depression a kenton That was a deep depression, wasn't it? Well, it didn't last very long, did it? I lost my temper with him quite quickly. I would be no good in any kind of professional capacity looking after people. I wanted to give him a slap pretty much the whole entire time. I have to say Jolene wanted to give him a slap pretty much the whole entire time there, didn't she? And how David just kept sort of persevering with trying to chat to him. I (laughs) I was a bit like, cut your losses, David. Move on. You've got other siblings. You don't need him. And on that point... Sarah Thornton, uh, we should go and listen to our caller in Okay. So who's first, Lucy? You've got a massive crush on her, haven't you? I have. I'm in love. Again? What do you mean again? Oh, come on. Where are we? Oh, September. This is about for the fourth. <laughs> This year? Right, the fourth time in my life. I think that's about right. Yeah, the fourth time this year. All right, tell me who I've been in love with I don't uh, think that's this year. a good idea, is it? No, come on. Can we include last year? Okay. <laughs> no, everybody knows all about your love life. It's too boring. Let's do the cooler in us. Hello, Ambridge 3962. Who's first? Steve! Mm, right, Steve. Hello, Dumpty Dum. Steve here. I want to tell you about when I first started listening to The Archers, uh, so I can get my name. Um, It was when Lizzie first appeared on the scene. Nigel had been given the brush off by Shula, and he went rather crestfallen into the garden uh, and spied Lizzie there. So I guess I'm an Elizabethan. The only other thing, well, a couple of things got to mention is the great Max debate has been solved now and uh, Goddess Diva on the Dum to Dum forums will be happy to know that there's a, a lesbian in the village because Max and Anna were obviously same-sex couple. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see who Anna hooks up with in the village. Is it going to be one of the younger ladies... Is it going to be a new middle-aged character or an existing one um, being introduced? I wonder if Cathy would have go off solid, if you get what I mean. It'd be nice to see her back again. That's me, done. And um, I love you all. Bye-bye, bye-bye, bye-bye. Mwah. Bye-bye, bye-bye, bye-bye. Steve is an Elizabethan. Because his first story... I am an Elizabethan too, then. 
No, you can't be an Elizabethan. The first storyline I remember was Elizabeth being chucked out of the car. No, 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 no. Oh, it's no, got to no. be the first person that came in that I remember. First major character you remember oh, coming in. Come I want on. to be an Elizabethan. I don't want to be a Snell. No, because the thing is about doing it with storylines, there's going to be loads of storylines where people keep on recurring. It doesn't yeah. work. It doesn't work. Oh. You know, so if you did Tent Flap Gate, that you could be yeah. an Elizabethan or, or a Roy. Okay. It's got to be the first major so character. So Steve's got it wrong then, if he yeah, thinks he's, he's got Elizabethan. it wrong. Mm. Anyway, what are his plans for Anna Toboggan? Well, he, he used a phrase that made me blow tea out of my nose. He described, uh, he was trying to think about who, who she might go off with. Mm. Uh, and he said, because we don't know who else has gone off solids. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's, it, 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 it's, 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 it's kind of funny, but I don't know if that's PC. I don't know if I'm, I'm allowed to laugh at I, that. I know, I don't know anymore what I'm allowed to laugh at. Sometimes it just happens anyway. And there mm. we go. Um, who, well, one of our other caller inners, mm-hmm. who we will come to later, suggested that now might be the time for Kirsty to swap teams. <laughs> what, and join Wimbledon? Yeah. All right. Women of Wimbledon. Oh, that's a certain alliterative charm, doesn't it? Can you see Kirsty batting for the other side? Hmm. Um... a page over if we're going to extend this. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Leg before anything else? Yes. <laughs> I don't know, to be honest with you. But Anna, we're presuming that she's in the village to stay, aren't we? Yeah. And yeah. it would make sense that... Um, so, yes, she's been separated from, from Max for quite some time now. But, um, you know, Max has completely and utterly kind of moved on. So it would make sense that after the trial, she stays in the village to uh, recuperate, get her strength back together, get her head back together, etc. So we're, we are presuming that she's going to be around. And I suppose this whole thing with her sexuality is a bit of a double header. Number one, that um, her mum has said this to Jill, this is a personal crusade for her. And without wanting to be like a 1970s feminist, so to speak. Um, you know, she is this uh, crusading, uh, you know, women's uh, violence uh, lawyer, barrister, mm. sorry. So you can kind of conflate that a little with her sexuality. So there's something has happened where she doesn't like men. And hence, I'm saying a 1970s feminist. It's somewhat yeah. a slightly old, recon- unreconstructed yeah. view. But yeah. you've got to make that kind of sense out of it. Because why this? Why we got to put those two things together? And then, um, why are we getting all of her backstory? Um, yeah, if she's she, not going to. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So she. Yeah, has we knew to be we knew around. flop all about Ifty, didn't we? He exactly. Just came in. Exactly. Rushed around and left again. Exactly. Yeah. There's a, got to be a reason for this. Yeah. So yeah. It, it would make sense that eventually she will have a love interest. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Other than that, who knows? <laughs> Auntie Jean is next. Okay. Hello, Auntie Jean here. If Helen is found guilty, which is going to be awful if it, if it happens, then Shula is going to be just terrible because she's going to be going around with her sackcloth cloth and ashes 
and saying what a terrible person she is and it's all her fault because she didn't stand up when she should have done, which of course she should have done. And it's going to go downhill from there, isn't it? Because somebody's going to thump her. If it isn't me, it'll be Pat or Tony. Let's hope then that Helene is found not guilty and is then asked to get the children back for her. Um, and that's going to go on for months and months, let's face it. But let's hope that's what happens because at least we'll be on the right road then. I love Jenny Darling's indignation about Robert Titchener uh, getting the job with Justin. Let's hope that Justin's actually got a ulterior motive here and is trying to catch Rob out in all his lies. Justin doesn't seem to me that sort of devious person that that would take, but you never know your luck. Oh, and before I forget to mention, anybody in the London area, I should be in London on Thursday the 15th of December and I want to try and get together with a few friends for lunch. So if people could let me know if they're interested and then I, if there's a lot of us, I better book somewhere. At R 61 on the Twitters. Follow me and we can DM or whatever, however you want to do it. Uh, I'm hoping that uh, there'll be a few people that want to come because it would be nice to see, see some of you if I can. Okay, let me know as soon as you can. Bye-bye for now. I think that it's absolutely ludicrous that that Rob is uh, getting a job with Justin. I don't think for a minute that Justin would hire somebody who had a huge criminal case hanging over them. Hmm. I'm, I That's mean... one of the things when you go through a job application, you have to put in, are you subject to it? And you say yes. And then, you know, you check again at the interview and say, has you've signed a thing to say that there are no criminal cases pending involving you? Is that still the case? Da, da, da. You know, if he, if he's going, yep, no, there's a huge potential manslaughter. I might be, you know, it's just absolutely nonsense. And then for it to actually involve the family of the woman who is, in inverted commas, employing, um, you know, it's just absolute bollocks. There's no way would it happen. And also, even Justin has got enough question marks around Rob, in Rob's professional abilities after what happened at um, at the stupid great big cyber farm what's it called barrow farm at barrow that's the one Um, Farm. here's the thing i i massively massively agree and even if justin wanted to employ him surely what justin would say is um take you on yeah let's get through the trial then i'll take you on afterwards yeah right yeah however the whole thing with charlie and Charlie, Justin, and uh, with Rob was peculiar in that basically Charlie never ratted in Rob to Justin. He no. never did. Oh. And if you if we go all the way back, there was the instance, and I can't remember where and when, where Rob did actually speak to Justin and and made a favourable impression. So there, there was all of that. But still, why Charlie didn't just turn around and say? is a bit of a, a shit bag, heaven only knows, to Justin. But there mm. was that whole thing, and I remember we all thought, you you in particular, that there was um, a family link between Justin yeah. and Charlie. Wrong. Because he, he, <laughs> he used to just cower yeah. uh, in front yeah. of him, didn't he? So yeah. anyway, um, don't believe it either. Even if Justin thought, well, Rob can do the job, he would say, well, listen, let's just get through the, tr- the trial yeah. and then uh, start on November the 1st. The exactly, yeah, exactly, exactly. You know, and then take some time. Rubbish. See, see, see you come November. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, Royfield, and this it's me again. Um, just to say, I have started a thread in the off-topic section of the forum regarding the December lunch. If anybody wants to come, so they can always contact me there. Thank you. Oh, Auntie Jean, by the way, again. Next, we have Captain Kev. Ooh. 
Hi Royfield, Lucy, Millie Bell and all Dumpty Dummers wherever you are. I'm Kevin Slattery, first time caller in a so I've got a whole list of things I've got to tell you. I'm a lift engineer so I'm no great use uh, to you there. Interesting thing is I was helped put in the lifts in the broadcasting house. Yeah, that's a whole different story. From Essex, I have a Dumpty Mog, Sunny. reason I was ringing is I've actually enjoyed most of the story that must not be named, except yesterday when uh, Helen was telling Kaz not to blame herself. I was thinking, can't you look at yourself? Ah! Anyway, prop predictions. I reckon Kaz will come actually come to Ambridge and hopefully get together with Jazza. How good would that be? That'd be really funny. That's me for now. Thank you very much. I'll speak to you soon. Bye. Captain Kev is a lift engineer, which is he's a bit up and down. Ha <laughs> <laughs> <coughs> um, ha. Uh, it is very frustrating listening to Kaz and Helen. Yes, uh, Kaz getting together with Jazza in Ambridge. What do we think? Uh, I think Kaz is too good for Jazza. Why and Jazza is a shiftless Burke. He's lovely, but if I was a damaged, vulnerable woman coming out of a horrendous relationship with three children, I would not be thinking... Thank God I've got Jazza to rely on. But maybe it'll be the taming of Jazza. You know, because yeah. the thing is, if you look at the the ultimate kind of story arcs of, of all the characters, they can't stay at one note forever. And Jazza has just been this inveterate, yeah. womanising yeah. milkman forever. And so that, is Eddie. Eddie's been the feckless, you that, know, that is chancer. True. That is he has, true. He has moments where we think, oh, hello, is this a new phase for the group? No, they're back in <laughs> back at it again yeah mm. you know what? you're you're completely right so i have to go backwards with what i've just said that actually you can keep the characters doing <laughs> and saying the same things forever years yeah yes. i think i quite like that um, but we can't bring everybody to ambridge they keep going on about the housing crisis in ambridge and how there aren't enough houses for, for mm. people and yet all these new characters keep bowling up and manage to find Oh, I suddenly remembered there's an empty house next to me. Don't like what it's called. Just move in. Mm. You know, it's amazing how it happens. Yes. It would make, it would be quite nice to have Kaz there. But I, mm. I'm still want, you know, um, whatever happened to Susan's sister? Oh, yes. She was very funny. She was very funny. Yeah. And um, she brought something to the village. Yeah. Because you know? the thing is, for me. Shell suits, it... mostly, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're such a snob. You're such an <laughs> oh, absolute snob. That was why everybody liked her because she was just completely working class and brazen, and you know, not because she was working class, but she was kind of just. She wasn't classy, was she? Let's put it like that. No, and she showed that she was like a constant reminder to Susan of exactly where she'd come from. Mm. And who did but she? She'll come, she'll come back though, won't she? Because there's all that stuff about the house, Susan's dad's house. Well, I, I hope I hope she does because she was she was great. She was um, a character that didn't feel that she was, you know, cut from the home county, so to speak. Like kind of yeah. like you know like Dr. Locke he's like oh god here we go again even though he's got yeah. a northern accent you know uh, but it's just that kind of middle class uh, you know kind of identikitness yeah. you know she was, she was a bit of fun so let, let's have her back and who was she chasing after? Ifty it was Ifty I thought it was Ifty Oops. yeah that's why he left I think <laughs> um, who's next? Maeve oh love me me Maeve 
Hello Royfield, hello everybody, hello Lucy. Uh, it's Maeve here from Big Press. I'm calling in this week from a very, very uh, tidy house actually. Um, I've just dropped Olivia back to university and uh, my house uh, no longer resembles the back storeroom of uh, Ravel's uh, with 222 pairs of shoes uh, just in the back room downstairs and um, various uh, other lots of 23 year old uh, women's shite in my house, GHDs, uh, hair straighteners, hair curlers, shoes, more shoes, boots, uh, bits of washing, uh, various things that she didn't actually unpack when she arrived home in uh, May, back in May, can you believe that, before she graduated and now she's gone back so that was all squished into the master and I whizzed down the A3 and I deposited her in Pompey so I'll probably see her just before Christmas, uh, back with more shite. Um, anywho, uh, back to the archers. I uh, really enjoyed Friday's episode. I do think that Helen has had a bit of a breakthrough. Um, I don't think it's anything to do with Anna at all. I think it's all to do with Kaz. I- I'm not really quite sure about the uh, the whole Anna character. Um, and I really, really, really wouldn't really want to go on holidays with her and Carol at all. I wouldn't even want to go down to oldies with them, never mind going to a tour around the Beckin' Alps or whatever they're going. Anyway, so Friday was good. And I do think that Helen will will, will burst out this week uh, and she will talk about the, uh, the rape or etc uh, etc et so that could be quite uh, interesting I have cleared all the decks for the upcoming trial this week 5 to 7 till 20 past 7 I am not going to be no good for man nor beast I will have my ear pinned to the radio listening and um, I've already prepared the cat I've prepared my tricky mickey and I've told Tom you know you do not have a mother between the hours of 6.55pm and 7.20pm every evening next week I'm not going to have a glass of wine before the episode though because I'll actually there's a day that I'll finish the whole bottle and I'll be paralytic by 20 past 7 which is really not a good luck on a school night so anywho um, can't wait uh, I think I think that she may uh, she, would she get off I don't know um, I'm not quite sure she should do I suppose but um, and I think there'll be loads and loads of stuff from Rob uh, his homophobic streak will come out now and it will just be actually I think he might even uh, explode and go mental and uh, completely lose the plot just as about as he was winning possibly and then something happens and he loses it and then the whole thing falls apart and uh, ta-da he's exposed as the lunatic uh, misogynistic wife beater that he is so Maeve says the word shite like no one else I love it so how are you planning on getting through this week how are you planning on listening Royfield Brown um me yes you are Royfield Brown are you not I am I am I have last time I checked um I'm you you want to know the truth you're not going to listen no 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 and I did listen to the very first bit of the trial uh Mm -hmm. which was last night Sunday um I'm just taking it in my archer's stride. I just want oh. the whole thing to be over. Yeah. Because I'm just, I just feel disappointed. I, I really do. Uh, for all the reasons which, um, no, I shouldn't say that. I was going to say, I'm going to say later. Because I wouldn't know I'm going to say it later if we are doing it in, in real time. Uh, I just feel disappointed because, as I've kind of said ad nauseum, it, it's they've done an amazing job with this issue and i slightly disagree with cosmo in that cosmo says the archer should not be about issues well the archers kind of has always been about issues whether it be in rural farming ones and government subsidies or farming but practices. real life's about issues isn't no, it because exactly. it, they're, they're things that happen to their shared common experience people yeah. who've been i think what he means is um kind of sensationalist issues no but if you go back when adam 
when the character of Adam was born into the village, Jennifer was a single mother. That was shocking in rural England, you know, back in, in, in the mid-60s on this genteel soap, you know. So um, mm. it's always dealt with issues. Um, but my issue, my issue with their issues is, quite simply, don't claim to be slightly holier than thou that here is an issue and we're going to unfold it to the great British public, etc., etc., which they have done, and then just and then uh, play it for ratings afterwards. Mm-hmm. That, yeah. that that's yeah. the thing. You don't have both those. Just say, you know what? We're yeah. a, we're a we're a docudrama. Yeah. We're a soap, and we just want more people to listen to it. Full yeah. stop. And we'll use any trick in Let's the book. Let's blow stuff up. Yeah. Let's we'll... have an aeroplane landing on the barn. Exactly. Yeah. I'm just going to take it in my Ambridge stride, and I'm just can't wait for the week to be over. And I just want, you know, I, I'm somewhat interested to see what you happens. You don't think it's going to be over in a week, do you? You are the trial. Optimist. I want, I want, what I want to see. Yes, then will be the appeal, won't there? Oh, God. Yeah, well, yeah. You don't reckon they're going to spin all this out? just, they should, again, as I've said before, (laughs) they just, this thing has been the Helen Archer stroke Titchener show for actually three going on four. Ever since Henry, ever since Helen said, right, I want IVF, I want a baby, this has really been the Helen show. Mm. Just call it that. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing wrong with her as a character. Great, compelling character. Blah, 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 blah. She's a protagonist, an antagonist. She's everything. She's all mixed up. Uh, you know, and in this instance, definitely, she's, uh, you know, she she's our kind of shero. She's our heroine. But, you know, please, we need to remember there are other characters in the village. And there are even other archers who are interesting. Yeah, you know, it is called the archers, and they obviously come first. But there are other archers who are interesting. You know, let, let's have them fleshed out a little. Let's get to be interested in Pip. Yeah, you know, Rather there's something controversial. Yeah, because yeah. we, we we don't quite believe in her, and we yeah. don't kind of quite like her. But she's obviously going to inherit that farm and be a bloody good farmer. Yeah, let's give Pip some some proper time away from just fumbling around with Toby. Yeah, in a haystack. Mm. Well, she does it in the... Co- oh, she did. She also... Because that's it. Didn't Jill see some straw in yes. her hair or something? Got straw in her hair. Your hair, yes. Mm. Um, You're a rural lass. I you am. Ever, you ever been done in a, no. ha- in a haystack? Do you have any idea how scratchy straw and hay is? <laughs> so, obviously, you've tried it then. <laughs> <laughs> is it like what... sand? Does it get everywhere? <laughs> It's not quite as chafy as sand, but this is very, very scratchy. He, he was he was the lucky chap. No, nobody, I haven't, but I just know it. Is You're just saying sp- that because your mum listens to this pod- podcast. <laughs> no, truly, 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 truly. Mm. <laughs> right, should we move on? Yes. Paul from... Hello, you two and dumpty dummers. It's been a long time, uh, almost a year since I last called in, but I've still really been enjoying the podcast as ever, as well as the Archers stuff been going on as it does with everyone my poor old dad um, was ill and shuffled off to the place where Frida Fry, Phil Archer, Sipperks, et al uh, and now and it got me thinking uh, about my own mortality as um, a rather pessimistic outlook thinking oh my goodness when I die the Archers is going to continue with plot lines in the future that I'm not going to know about and uh, this really worried me and 
thinking, well, perhaps it would be better when I die that the Archers finishes then in a really robbed, narcissistic way. I just can't cope with stories going on that I wouldn't know about. Anyway, I snapped out of that. One thing I wanted to say was we've got a daughter called Helen, and um, perhaps it's because we're down south, but we call her Helen as it's spelt. But in the Archers, it always grates me when people, uh, especially Pat and Tony, call her Helen, as if it's her name spelt H-E-L-I-N. Perhaps that's how it's said in rural Borsetshire. Yeah, strange pronunciation thing. Can't quite get my head round. I've been enjoying, if that can be said, the Robin Helen storyline and you know, tuning in every night, really, to to keep up to date uh, as soon as possible. And, you know, Rob with his ultimate creepiness with Charlotte, the prospective nanny, when he said to her, I have a feeling about you as if she's going to be the next Helen uh, once Helen's banged up. Can I just say, it's lovely to hear Paul back. It is. And it was very odd because we did it again. You know, last week somebody said we were psychic because we mentioned people and then up they popped. Yeah. I nearly said to you on air last week, what the hell's happened to Paul Rim? But you didn't say it though, did you? I thought it. Honestly, I did. And then there he is. And it's a year. Did you think it? Did you almost think it? You can't almost think it, can you? Well... If you almost think it, you <laughs> Well, he's, he's my brother, isn't he, Paul? Because we're he the is. same age and everything. But he's like 10 foot tall and yeah. sensible and a proper grown up and, yeah. and, and a doctor. And I'm obviously the black sheep of the family, pun intended. <laughs> yes, uh, I'm sorry about your dad, Paul. But let's not start worrying about whether or not you're going to be able to listen to storylines after death. Mm. That's too complicated. Um, we could do it like a say. Have they found the bunting? Knock once for yes and twice for no. Um, <laughs> I don't know why Pat calls Helen Helen. Tony sometimes calls... No, Tony calls her Helen. Tom calls her Helen. It's just Pat. Whether it's that a Welsh thing, I don't know. Because Pat sometimes remembers that she's Welsh, doesn't she? Does she? Occasionally. Mm. I, I, I don't very, know. That's why maybe she calls her Hetlin. Um, <laughs> and then... <laughs> And then Rob goes, yes, I've got a good feeling about you, Charlotte. And a nation went, ah! Just, he's like a bloody vampire, isn't he? Just honing in on his next victim, you know. Mm. Oh, flapping away. Ah! Talking about Rob being a, you know, a bat and like yeah. flying away like to Transylvania or something. Historically, Transylvania was part of which country? Do you know? Romania. Historically, it's it? actually part of Hungary. Oh, really? It's part of Romania now. Oh, okay. It's only been part of Romania for about 100 and... No, since since after the First World War. Ah. Yeah. And the reason why I bring that up, right, is to do a neat segue into me history map porn. I've had... I, I had one of the best days of my life, other than the birth of my children and Birmingham City winning the League Cup uh, against Arsenal a few years back. And meeting Muhammad Ali at Austin Reid or wherever Oh, it was. gosh, yeah. Foster's menswear. Well done. Yeah. I forgot about that other great day of my life. But as an adult, there's not yeah. many great days of my life that I've, that I've ever had. But on Friday, I decided to tweet up some some uh, old historical uh, political uh, maps. Whew, I tell you what, some dum-de-dumbers, they were <laughs> loving them, Lucy. <laughs> do you have to do the James noise when I, you're talking but about that's the maps. thing. Because it's actually so bloody fascinating in history. And, you know, hashtag, you know, map porn, you know, wasn't lost on, on, on this. Uh, eight likes for a map 
of it's approximately um 13 what is it 1360 europe so you've got uh, the, the duchy of aquitaine which is english and you've got a big 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 hungary which uh, encompasses modern-day Hungary, Slovakia, Bosnia, Croatia, Transylvania, Wallachia, Moldova, which is Romania. Oh, loose, I tell you. Go and have a look at my Twitter timeline. I tell you, you'd have to have a sit-down. <laughs> <laughs> and thank you for everybody for indulging me. Don't Miss Alliance, him, you Miss, lunatics. Miss Alliance was asking me questions about, you know, can, can I send her a map about the Ottoman Empire? So, oh, yes, I can find one of those for you. Peter! Do not come to Bromley. Do not. I'm allowed to come to Bromley, actually. I'm not sure, but I'm fairly certain I'm not. But just Mm. stop it, all of you. Um, And also, we have to say, Lucy, whilst we're here talking about the Twitters, that bloke talking. Yeah. um, He wrote a rather (laughs) nice. That's what he calls himself, fat bloke uh, talking. Um, Have you seen the article he wrote about Dum De Dum? No. Yeah, on his blog. So everybody, uh, go over there uh, and give it a like or two. He was rather lovely. Um, he wrote an article. What's the blog called? Um, it's called, uh, funny enough, Fat Bloke Talking. Oh, okay. Dot com. Right. Right. Um, and he wrote an article last week, uh, pre the trial, talking about the archers. Uh, and just to say, just so you, everybody realises I'm on this side of the Atlantic at the moment, I got... Uh, a WhatsApp message from a, uh, an American person saying, have you read the New York Times? Because they were kind of somewhat aware that I do a podcast about the archers. And the New York Times did a massive oh, yeah. article about the archers yesterday. Well, did you see Yokel Bear was in the Huffington Post? No. Talking about, they picked up the um, the Solidarity, everyone drinking cups ah, of tea, Free okay. Helen, mm-hmm. and they picked it up from there and there's Yokel Bear beaming away. Good heavens. I know. He said, I texted him and said, did you know you're in the Huffington Post? And mm. he said, yes. And what I did not do was pin that to the office notice board with a big sign going, this is me. I am famous. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, he did not do that, just to, just to make that clear. So, fat bloke talking. <laughs> yes. He basically said, um, now, I'll be honest, I've only recently discovered the podcast. So, have only heard a few episodes uh, First, when I, da- I downloaded it, I was ready to dislike it. I thought I'd find it annoyingly middle class and smug, rather like the archers. And, well, it is a little bit, to be honest. But despite that, I found myself enjoying it. And I've become a regular <laughs> subscriber. And it goes Yay! on. It goes we are on. spreading mm. the cause of middle class smugness across the podcasting universe. Yeah, but but I, I spread it begrudgingly because I still think I'm somewhat working class. My dad's a bus driver, don't you know? Um the regular host, Royfield Brown and Lucy V. Freeman, have a warm and friendly style bantering Don't together. Read it out. No, there's loads. I'm just saying. I'm just saying that you and I have a warm and engaging uh, style, and we banter Oops. away charmingly. Oh, sh- there's loads more. There's loads more. Good. Well, people can read it. I'm not going to spoil the whole thing. No. Anyway, uh, we're keeping this short this week. So, yes. who's next? Well, I am. Um, with a spoon. Hey, baby, I hear the blues are calling Toss salads and scrambled eggs Mercy Greetings, Lucy Royfield, Millie Bell, and all Dumpty Dummers around the world. Witherspoon and Angus Haggis here. First order of business. What vintage of Archer's listener am I? I started dating my now husband and regularly traveling to the UK in late 2002 and gradually became immersed in Ambridge Village life. 
So I must reluctantly call myself a George Grundy, who was born on the 7th of April, 2005. This week, Angus and I enjoyed looking at all the wonderful photos on Twitter, pledging solidarity with Helen. And one of my favorites was of Stephen Kennedy, who plays Ian, and his real-life boyfriend, raising a cuppa for Helen. I hope he and the other actors who did the same know some happy news that we don't. Speaking of Ian, after Royfield and Lucy discussed him in the last show, I did a lot of thinking about him this week. I wouldn't call him slightly too good to be true, as Royfield did, but I would say he is the most human of characters, and as Royfield did also note, is a touchstone of ethical behavior on the show. Ian showed his human frailty when he stopped talking to Helen after he found out that she had seen Adam kiss Charlie and then confide in Rob and not him. Was that realistic? As Lucy and Royfield discussed, probably not. However, in going with that plot line, Ian was understandably upset, but I think he quietly regretted how he behaved in cutting off contact with his best friend. I think Ian is now feeling a lot better and being able to make up for it, come to Helen's defense, and hopefully help to shed light on the black hole that is Rob. Regarding Adam and Ian, though we haven't heard much of them in conversation over the last six months, the times we have or have had a reference to their relationship, it seems that they have been getting on better, and Adam has been more appreciative of his husband. Remember, we have seen other Archer relationships survive much worse, so let's give them a chance at longer-term happiness. So that brings us to this week. By the time you're hearing this, we all would have listened to the first couple of days of testimony. I am anxious but cautiously optimistic. Helen, on Friday, remembering the details of the night in question, of course, was key. All signs point to her finally recalling the rape, perhaps while testifying. Thus, we would get that Perry Mason moment I alluded to on Twitter. Angus says, get out the popcorn, and we'll talk to you next week. Hey, baby, I hear the blues are calling. Toss salads and scrambled eggs. Mercy. He's a George Grundy, he says. Oh, okay. I guess when is, George was born? He's a George then. A George. Mm. He's Georgian. I'm Elizabethan and he's Georgian. Um, he is cautiously optimistic. Ah, what do you that's think? That's an interesting you... point there, right? Because it's one thing for me to say that I'm an anthropus because there's only one Marjorie anthropus. And you can get away, though there are two Snells, with saying that there's you're a Snell. Marjorie anthropus. One Marjorie there you go. there's only one. You what? I'm a Snell. Yeah, yeah, and you can just about get away with saying that you're a Snell because the Snells mm. both arrived at the same time. But you can't yeah. say that you're a Grundy, can you? You have to then say yeah. you are a George Grundy. Oh, it's comp- We do. No, 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 no. We haven't. We haven't. We've clarified things, Lucy. Okay. We've made it simple because you can't say you're a Grundy because that could be Eddie. That could be Joe. Blah blah blah. It could be William or Ed. Okay. But no, so, it's inter- so so he's all right point of clarification. Jordan. Yeah, you know he's he's a George Grundy. Yeah. Okay. He can't hear a George. He could be could be George Barford. Nobody know. But you could have been. I'm sure Cosmo you... probably is. Yeah. Well. Yeah. And actually, he was George was named George after George Barford. There you he? go. There you go. It's quite odd considering he's a gamekeeper. <laughs> Um, anyway, <laughs> um, cautiously optimistic about the trial. Mm. I'm not, but, oh, I don't even want to speculate on this because 
I know this is a bit that's a bit uh, uh, tricky when I'm doing a podcast about the arches, but it's kind of it's oh god, I'm just waiting for the big thing mm. where we all go ah the big the jaws moment. I'm waiting for the shark to leap out of the sea, mm. and whether that is. Helen suddenly remembering the rape on the night of the the night before the last day, whether that's at the appeal, whether that's whether um, you know Kirsty suddenly bursts out and whether Rob suddenly leaps out of the box and tries to throttle Anna Toboggan, whatever it is, I'm just waiting for the shark to appear. Mm. Um, so I cut based on today, based on um, yesterday rather, and the, the 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 one night we've heard of it so far, and Rob doing his. I'm just a poor equal boy performance. Mm. I, I can't. You. I don't think anyone can say really what's what what's going to happen because it's not going to be. They ha They are going to sensationalise it, and it's not going to be just a very procedural. She said this. He said that. This is the evidence. Blah, 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 blah. There is going to be a point at which Jaws is going to appear, and until we know <laughs> when that is, we can't do anything, can we? Are you kind of slightly conflating your? 70s uh media references because jumping the shark isn't that no, 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 happy I'm not days jumping the shark if it was oh, jumping okay. kirsty would suddenly unveil herself as a that she's been wired up the whole time or something like that i'm not saying that at all i don't mean jumping the shark i mean jaws i mean when okay. you're watching jaws and you're just yeah Dur-dum. everything is Dur-dum. building up to that all right point. okay and you don't even have to have seen it before to know that you're that's what you're waiting for Dude. and that's what this <laughs> exactly that's what this this um mm. this trial is it's we're just waiting for jaws to appear blithe spirit hello dumpty dump blithe spirit calling well i noted your request last week for us to mention who the main character was when we first started listening to the archers i have to fess up i can't remember someone's going to have to help me out with this it was around 2007 so maybe someone could tell me who it was. Otherwise, all I can say is someone archer. <laughs> There's got to be an archer in it somewhere. Anyway, in other news, very quick one. I'm finally on the Twitters. I can be reached at Blythe underscore spirit two. I've been there for a week. It's been fab. And I've already connected with some dumpty dumbers. It would be lovely to connect with more and anyone who is mad about the archers. So please tweet me. Please say hello. Now for this week, Freddie. I'm afraid I'm going to have to get a bit class wall here, so strap yourself in. Ah, Freddie Pargeter, I've got a message for you. Not all state schools are scummy. Not everyone was able to lie in bed all summer after a very expensive public school education and moan about the fact that they did so badly in their GCSEs because some of us were doing Saturday jobs. Some of us were out there doing holiday jobs before going to sixth form or before doing their retakes and we were studying like mad to get where we wanted to go so here's a flash for you freddie pargeter get your backside out of bed be nice to your mother sit your retakes and get on with it okay rant over as for brian did anyone else find his response to uh jenny's complaint about um the damara recruitment of the dark lords to be a bit unpalatable Um, I did. And now we know that Brian is a man of the world and that he's very pragmatic. Of course, he is with his business head on. But come on. I mean, this is a family member who is being indicted for murder or attempted murder. 
And then Justin goes and recruits the person who, you know, who is on the other end. It's just like, no, 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 no. Everything about it is wrong. Um, I mean, even from a kind of reputational perspective, it's wrong. But I did find Bryant's response to that rather cold and unsympathetic. And it kind of stepped over the line, to be honest. It was rather unpalatable to listen to. So, you know, I can't be the only person who felt that way. Anyway, that's it. Um, tonight, because it's Sunday the 4th and it's trial week beginning, I will be baking a tuna concoction in solidarity with Helen. And I plan to serve pudding with tinned custard. So stick that in your pipe and smoke it. Rob Titchener. She doesn't know who she is. She's having an identity crisis. <laughs> she, know. she knows she's blind spirit. She doesn't know which character she is because she was. She started listening in 2007. And she can't remember what was happening in 2007. I tell you what, I'm going to go back after the show, uh, look in the annals of uh, Archer storylines. She wants same. Freddie to get a Saturday job. Freddie is a whinging little shite. <laughs> shite, as <laughs> Maeve would say. Oh, God. It's just, he's just vile. I know he's insecure, blah, blah, blah. But Nigel would be ashamed of him. No, because he'd be Nigel... proud of him because it's his son. And um, no, I, the, way I he's, feel... the way he's talking to his mother, the way he's being a whinging little, oh, I don't want to go there. A whinging little posh else. boys who's yeah. going to one day inherit a state Yeah, ex- yeah. Hmm. Little arsehole. He's got to. He's got to get a bloody job. Whereas Josh was running an egg empire. Waste of good skin, Freddie is. Mind you. Oh, that's oh, harsh. Lily that's wasn't doing anything either, was she? But she did it more intelligently, so that's maybe why I'm giving her slightly more of a break. <sighs> right, John the First is back. Yay! Hello, Dumpty Dum. It's John the First here, calling in for the first time in, well, it seems like months and months. I bet you thought I was deader than scruff, but no, I'm still here. So I've had a bit of a break. I think the reason for that is because it's been really quite hard to listen to, so I have to take the odd break out um, from listening to the Robin Helen storyline. But seeing as it's the trial coming up this week, I thought that I really ought to get back into it. So I've made a massive concerted effort. It is Sunday afternoon, and I have listened to 13 podcast episodes of The Archers back-to-back, albeit in double time, which actually sounds really weird um, when you hear it. And you get strangely used to listening to it in double time, so I think it's going to sound quite slow uh, once I go back to, to normal time. Anyway, the, the the highlight for me of the last few weeks, I suppose, the last two or three weeks that I've listened to, has to be the little scene between Rob and Ian at the cricket match. I thought it was fantastic, and it really got my blood boiling. Um, I loved the way that Ian dealt with it, just in quiet dignity. I thought it was perfect, and I loved the see you in court at the end. I thought it was just fantastic. My prediction for the coming week and the trial is that it's going to come out that Ian is actually Henry's biological father. I think it's going to come out that he is the, the, the donor that Helen used for the artificial insemination, and he is actually... Um, Henry's natural father unless we know that it's somebody different and I just don't know that but as far as I'm aware we don't know who it is I think it's going to come out that it's it's Ian and has been all along so anyway I can't wait to listen to this week I think it's going to be really really exciting um, and really really interesting I hope it's the right result at the end but if I'm honest I have a nasty feeling we have we might have a guilty verdict coming but we'll soon see he has started listening to the archers in double time mm-hmm um, this is an unusual technique. I might do it for the trial because if they're all speaking like this really, really quickly, then hopefully it won't be quite so damaging to listen to as it would normally be. Um, that was really good. 
and right. you've been practicing that. That you didn't just, <laughs> just spontaneously did. do. No, I didn't. No, you've never. That's crap. I no, know I we didn't. don't normally prepare for this show, but come on. No, I genuinely did. But as you know, I speak much too quickly anyway. So it's not that hard for me to just speed up. That's probably the, the speed at which I would actually like to talk. And he is still convinced, he is convinced, like a lot of people are, that Henry, yes, whoop, will turn out to be <laughs> Ian's sperm, so to speak. I do not think this is the case because there is no way Ian would have not, would have been able to keep that quiet in the face of... Considering Helen his offspring's a... witnessed yeah, yeah, an yeah, attempted yeah, yeah. murder yeah. or whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. No. And even and when he had the falling out with Rob and Rob's got parental responsibility, parental rights over Henry and everything, Ian would have said something way before that. Hmm. So, no. Do not agree. Nice idea. And also, it's far too tidy. Hmm. And anyway, that's a killer storyline. Why would they keep that quiet? Hmm. Wow. Who knows? Storylines do have uh, a habit of just becoming somewhat kind of cul-de-sacs and just kind yeah. of going nowhere on, on this thing. Yeah. Talking about dead ends. Right? Yeah. Okay. Um, we've probably had our most stunning Where Do You Listen To Dum De Dum? Uh, so if you remember, folks, some weeks ago, I asked you, take a picture of where you are listening to Dum De Dum. Derek Gower, guess what he says, right? I listen after a day's work training bomb dogs in northern Iraq. No! And there's a picture of what seems to be a swimming pool, hence me kind of saying a dead end, because I don't quite know what it is. It seems like a swimming pool, but without any water in it. Right. So if anyone can kind of beat that. Uh, Good Lord! Derek Gower, wowzer. That's what I've got to say is wowzer to that. So he might have put that hashtag to bed. Just saying. Heck, yeah. Mm. He's not that out of the park, isn't he? Yeah, hasn't he just? Bloody hell. Yep. Bomb dogs in northern Iraq. Everyone who was poised to send us a picture, this is me in the kitchen of my bungalow, has just gone, nope. <laughs> Here I am walking with my dog Monty in the forest. No, no, no. <laughs> um, Glyn, full of love. Hello, Dumpty Dum. It's Glyn here. It's about 15 minutes to go now before the trial starts on, on Sunday evening. As a Archers listener of 30 years, I suppose I should be really excited about that. Well, I'm not really. I'm just hoping that this week brings a resolution to the whole story, uh, the end of the reign of the Dark Lord. And we're not put through another six months uh, by Helen being found guilty and having to go to uh, an appeal and so on and so forth. Uh, let's turn to other matters. The Grundies. So Joe would like to live out his uh, days in Grange Farm. Well, perhaps he and Eddie should have put a bit more effort into farming when they actually had the tenancy of Grange Farm. From what I can remember, they didn't lose Grange Farm due to some fantastic can capitalist conspiracy, but it was more due to the fact that they were pretty lazy as farmers. And I don't know a lot about farming, but uh, I believe that laziness is not a great trait. I think we can all remember episodes. Well, those of us who have been listening for a long time can remember episodes like Joe failing to dip his sheep and trying to um, do the job with a watering can instead. They've had a lot to do with their own downfall over uh, over the time I've been listening. So anyway, that's my take on the Grundis. Oh, but I have ma massive sympathy for Clary. Ed, uh, Eddie, sorry, Ed, um, Emma, uh, everyone other than Joe and Eddie, basically. 
Anyway, thank you very much to the Dumpty Dum team for continuing to produce this brilliant podcast. And best wishes to all Dumpty Dum listeners everywhere. And uh, here's to uh, holding all of our fingers crossed, etc. during the next week. Is there going to be an appeal? And are the Grundies lazy farmers? Write on one side of the paper only. Put your hand up if you need more paper. I don't remember the Grundies being lazy. Fu- oh, I do actually being no, lazy. They, fu- they, they were, and they were. It was just they were always t- cutting corners, weren't they? Well, basically. let's put it like this. I think at your most charitable, you say they were inefficient farmers. That was always the thing. They were never up with the latest farming practices. They were never properly investing in the farm in, in machines, etc. Fast fuck rather than. Um kind of uh anything invest investmenty or mm-hmm. or best practice yeah. type stuff yeah, yeah. Mm. Mm. so yes it is a bit ridiculous but you know i think it's quite sweet that oliver is you know genuinely wants joe to live out his days in um in his in his farm if somewhat macabre that it, no, well, nothing the entire it... plot's ground to a halt while we're all waiting for joe to die which is a bit unfortunate but well there's a certain amount of um middle class privilege stroke guilt with, with, with oliver yeah. isn't it yeah. he's always yeah. been slightly uncomfortable yeah. about the fact that he's kind of moved into grange farm he's always so keen to help ed exactly like, exactly exactly he genuinely likes ed but unlike caroline he he does see that actually we've displaced this family and they were here and has yeah. got a, always had a soft spot for joe and, and definitely for, for ed whereas caroline Karen's a bit like well losing her shit with him isn't she <laughs> and considering that uh, William is a uh, godson. God, you know, yeah. she she feels she doesn't feel the same kind of uh, compunction to uh, yeah. be all grundified. So, yeah. hmm. <laughs> and Philip Townley. Okay. Hi, Lucian Royfield. Uh, I'm Philip Townley, a long-time listener, first-time caller winner. Um, I've been listening since the first episode, and I'm the proud owner of a Dumbly Dumbog. Uh, I'm, I'm Empress Burger on the Twitters, uh, as a reference to the filmmakers, also known as the Archers. If you can work that one out. Uh, I've been listening to the rural docudrama since 1990, I think, but I'm not sure what that makes me. Um, I'm a, a dairy microbiologist, so if there's ever a contaminated milk product outbreak, um, I'm looking at your bridge farm Archers, you know who to call. Um, I'm calling in with a plot prediction before all the kerfuffle of the t- trial. Um, it's not about the trial, but about Anna. She's obviously going to be staying in Ambridge after the trial. Uh, and as she's newly single, I predict that after the celebrations of the successful result, let's hope, uh, she will be finally meet Kirsty properly and fall for her and uh, Kirsty will reciprocate. Well, I hope so anyway. Well, that's all for now. Uh, maybe next time I'll sing a dum dum too. Thanks. First time caller in the Lovely Philip. Thank you very much for calling, Philip. Um, he th- he is he's the one who suggested Kirsty and Anna Toboggan. But just because a woman is you know intelligent and speaks her mind doesn't necessarily mean that she is gay. Mm-hmm. And we shouldn't go matching people up. Well, isn't what that what I you say? just we said earlier? That's exactly what you said about twenty-five minutes ago. What you were trying to? You says so. Who's Anna going to get off with? Yeah, no, that was somebody called in and said that. 
they were going through the list of candidates and yeah, I said and then you said to me and then you said to me so who is she going to end up with Kirsty now you're saying we shouldn't do that no I said somebody suggested Kirsty oh, and it was okay. Philip Townley this call alright mm. but then you're admonishing the man for doing what you only did 25 minutes ago <laughs> Yes, well, that is... <laughs> ah, do as I say, not as I do. Mm. Um, yeah, I don't know. I still think Kirsty and Tom... Still They're going to get back together. Yeah, I think when, when the Helen case is sorted out, it's, it's all going to... Yeah. Uh, yes, that's what I think. It's all good. Yeah, it's too... And then they're going to just run away and get married or something, and 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 um and they they'll say we're not going to have a showy wedding or anything like that. Yes, I don't. Yeah, it's going to be. That's how it's going to end. Mm. Yes, yes, yes. That's it. That's the end of the callers. But awesome. we have some email email address. We have the longest term plot prediction I have ever heard. This woman is operating in light years, right? <laughs> okay. This is Teflon Tabby. She uh-huh. says. Dan loves the army, says Dorothy. She loves him. Shula thinks Dorothy is marvellous. Mm-hmm. Dan is posted to a war zone, so they marry in Ambridge before he leaves. Dan loses a limb while on active duty and is invalided out, returning to Ambridge with PTSD. Mm-hmm. The pressure of dealing with traumatised and resentful Dan and the change from active life to carer eventually drives Dorothy to abandon her saintliness in a fit of frustration and ends up in the clutches of Toby. Mm-hmm. Shula, meanwhile, blames herself for letting Dan join the army. Kel surprise, Shula blames herself. But also resents Dorothy for being part of that world. She is distraught when they split, especially as her own marriage to Alistair has broken down and she was struggling to keep the with running on her own. Mm-hmm. Eventually, Dan finds his way back to sanity through horses. Having This is when he's about 45, presumably. Having learned how to ride with his disability, just before he starts drawing his pension, he takes over the running of the stables, as Shula always hoped. He is eventually reconciled with Dorothy, and they support Shula in her old age. That is the single most uh, comprehensive and far-reaching plot prediction I have ever heard. And I love it. It's great, isn't it? It's absolutely stunningly you brilliant. Are you a scriptwriter who's had some sort of stroke and just decided to mm. <laughs> throw caution to the winds and ring in? Blimey. Anyway, she says um, she uh, to give her the rules, follow the rules. She works in local government. She is of relatively recent Archer's vintage after years of hearing parts of episodes after the 6.30 comedy slot. Mm. I started listening properly just before Nigel's plummet to earth. Thank you very much, Alison. That it was absolutely breathtakingly amazing. It was. And, and in 20 years' time, we'll tell you whether or not you were right. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, my God. Right. Paul Robinson says, the social workers have been involved with the custody hearing. If you recall, a few weeks ago, they visited Pat and Tony, and just as a female social worker was leaving, Susan appeared and started giving her the third degree about who she was and why she came to see Pat and Tony. This is correct, Paul. I had completely forgotten that when whoever it was rang in last week and said, why, where the hell are all the social workers? He says, all the best, Paul, not from neighbours. Mm. And Elderflower Cordial Index Update from Phoebe Figure Lily. From Santa Rosa, California, sixteen dollars ninety nine for seven hundred and fifty milliliters. That was the cheapest bottle. Another one was thirty two dollars ninety nine. That's thirty two dollars ninety nine. 
That sent all our all our spreadsheets. They've all gone to pot now, Phoebe. No, absolutely. Because that's ludicrously expensive. Mm. I think we've got to the you know to the the top end of the elderflower cordial market. There's going to be a, a crash, isn't there? There has yeah. to be. It's, it's unsustainable. This market. Totally unsustainable. Yeah. yeah. I hope you've pulled your money out in time. <laughs> I, I most definitely have. Um, can I just say? If you want to see a nice uh, set of painted toenails, Blythe Spirit, listening to Dumpty Dum, uh, where do I listen to Dumpty Dum? Uh, you just see her feet and she's got... I think her pyjamas, I saw that. Yeah, yeah, it's lovely. And she's got a little, very clever little speaker and she's reclining, but you just see her feet, great painted toenails. She's, she's looking awesome uh, with a little Sony Walkman type thing, listening to Dumpty Dum, just saying. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss hey there it's michelle norris i'm host of a podcast called your mama's kitchen when i travel i'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when i'm not at home and one of the things i love to do when i am at home is entertain and airbnb allows me to do that when i was in california recently i rented a house that had a great kitchen and when we were sitting around the table we're all thinking we're in someone else's house someone could be in all of our homes as well if you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Uh, is it time for us to have a break? Are we all out it of is. emails? All right, then. Well, um, let's go. Let's see everybody the other side. Touch your mini bell. Hashtag the Archer's Tweets of the Week. It's all coming to you very soon. When you don't have... A roof over your head. Build that wall. Build that wall. There was Build nothing marked wall. classified Build on my wall. emails, Build either sent or received. Build that wall. I Build am wall. humbled Build to have been wall. chosen by Build the Conservative Party Build to become its leader. Britain is just a small island that no one pays attention to. A former colony won the right to determine its own destiny. Hello and welcome to Mid-Atlantic, the show where we look at the news and the views from one side of the ocean from the perspective of the other. Do you have a National Trust sticker on your car? Do you think you could be best friends with Kath Kidson? Do you spend hours wandering around the airport looking for an organic quinoa cafe because you refuse to go to Burger King? Then Sarah Smith Cloths offer you... Available from Sainsbury's for the Posher Washer. Proud sponsors of Dumpty Dum. Uh, 
G'day everyone. Uh, just a quick word to Lucy who managed to bring in Doctor Who to last week's podcast, which I was very excited about. But I just need to put on the record that uh, the Doctor doesn't have an assistant. The Doctor has a companion, which is really important in the power dynamics. So Lucy, you could be a companion. I agree with you. I would never want to be the Doctor's assistant, but I'm just, well, every day I just wait in case he calls and I can be his companion. Um, had a look at the forum on dumptydum.com and it's not really very busy at the moment, which is a bit disappointing because it's a great place to get some more in-depth discussions with people and get to know people better. Uh, the Facebook page is great, but it tends to be short and sharp, whereas the forum is more discursive. So really encourage you to go there and get involved in any discussion that takes your fancy at the moment. On the Facebook page, um, I had to ask about meat paste. It sounded disgusting and the answers tell me that that it uh, probably is disgusting. Nancy uh, Dickey said uh, that it is not like pate, which is what I thought it must be. She said it's closest dog food. Um, Tracy Shevin said meat paste. I thought that went out in the 80s. Definitely mushed up dog food in a jar. Lots more like that. And I would like to say I now completely understand why nobody wanted the sandwich at first. I was very confused. But, yep, give me the peri-peri anytime. I was also, uh, I put the question out there because uh, Ian and Rob had a bit of a stoush earlier in the week. And I would have thought that Ian having a smartphone, he should have recorded that because I know I that would be my thought with a man like that. However, it's been pointed out to me by Diane Telford that he said, Ian said, I just have to make a phone call knowing Rob would gob off. He has so recorded it. Thing is, Ian really needs to see Helen and talk about what Rob said to him about Adam's infidelity. She didn't know everything Rob said. Vindication, this is going to get messy. And you know, Diane, you're right. He did say that, so maybe he has recorded it. John Roberts agreed. Um, uh, John Roberts is uh, sure that he recorded it. He waited behind to go Rob into that with his phone in his hand. He knew Rob couldn't help spout off of him. So there you go. You guys listen so much more carefully than I do. I'm so impressed. I had a couple of posts up about Soggy Bottoms, uh, which is... Is uh, a, po- a new podcast uh, from Royal Productions, and it follows the Great British Bake Off, I think. Um, and I say that because we don't really get that at the same time that you do. But it looks as though it's uh, very, very popular. We've had some very good feedback about it already. Uh, also, asking the question about Doctor Lock, I was uh, intrigued about when, at some, one stage, Doctor Lock said Freddie had become a sensible boy. And I wanted to know if Dr. Locke knew something we didn't know because clearly he is not a sensible boy. Terry Gardner said, you do wonder, don't you? He's about as far from sensible as he could be. And I just loved Elizabeth's wine that he won't get the same kind of individual attention at his new school. The expensive education doesn't seem to have worked out too well. What an unpleasant young person he is. Irvin J. Filliam says he's got Arsha blood, what you expect, sense of self-entitlement and proclivity to whinging is in the genealogy. Well, harsh, but maybe true. And Witherspoon said, interestingly, I see many more boys than girls like that in my office. The outcome, despite my best efforts, is often not too good. Then there are the helicopter parents whirling about like Elizabeth trying to fix things. New Freddy is particularly unbearable. I found that very interesting because I think Elizabeth is not a helicopter parent. I am a teacher and I see a lot of helicopter parents. And uh, Elizabeth is actually very focused on her job. And she, and as parents from time to time, we do have to fix things. I think Elizabeth isn't as constantly in touch with her children as I, my experience with helicopter parents. However, 
I have to say that Witherspoon has a lot more experience with young people who are facing difficulties than I do, so I may have to bow to his superior knowledge on this one. That's us on the Facebook page and also the forum. Uh, You're all fantastic. You make me laugh, so please don't stop doing what you're doing. Uh, If you know somebody who wants to get involved, and we've just discovered that more people download the podcast in the US and the UK, and that's not okay. So come on, UK, get on board and become part of our community. So until next week, from me to you, hooroo! Oh, thank you, uh, Millie Bell. That was uh, most awesome. A fantastic and uh, robust roundup of all things social media to do with Dumbly Dum. Uh, Lucy. Yep. Let's have some hashtag the Archer tweets of the last seven days. Thank you very much, please. Uh, this is based on the hashtag free Helen. Uh, hashtag <laughs> and um, thank you very much for everyone that did their um, solidarity with Helen much mm-hmm. appreciated um, George Spigot said you're more popular than me eh you've got more likes just not that I've been counting doing a running total oh what do you mean oh what, well, what do you modesty want to say? <laughs> oh, gloat gloat oh, woman <laughs> oh heavens above the only way I've been able to sleep with myself is the fact that I said you had a um, you had about a six hour head start on me. Because <laughs> <laughs> as we established last week, you are not a time lord. Um, I got a lot of stick for that. I know. Well, you are stupid. I oh, know. I am quite stupid. Um, George Spigot mm-hmm. said, "My Rob's not really a bad guy. Helen's actually a bit high maintenance and neurotic." Hashtag isn't really catching on. <laughs> Some of these are a bit tasteless, chat. The the relentless, um, the relentless overthinking of everything at the minute is getting is well, frankly, it's getting to me. I don't know if it's getting to anyone else um, because I'm so sick of this storyline, and and it's bad that it's actually making me think. You know, oh for God's sake, Helen, shut up! When I should be sympathising with her, but anyway, um, Davy Berg. Mm. Uh, talking about Shula Shula finds this is you know when she did the meat paste sandwiches Shula finds her life's mantra written on every Shippam's meat paste lid reject if centre is depressed <laughs> can I so can we yeah. just go back a step because we haven't really talked about this what was the point of Shula making meat paste sandwiches and I know it's an, an Uncle Kerry uh, episode like uh, week last week so really the question should be aimed at him but but it's that thing that she did before if when Shula is miserable she's one of those people that rather than doing things that will make her feel better she actively chooses to do things that will go wrong if she's got an internal saboteur a gigantic one not as big as Eddie's but fairly big give it a run for its money um so she will deliberately do things that enable her to, that confirms her worldview that I am a bad person. Everything I do is a disaster. I have bad luck. And Richard we- left me. Da-da-da. No one even wants my sandwiches. It's like, right, without telling, without telling um, 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 Alistair. Um, um, Alistair, thank you. Without telling Alistair, I'm going to plan a romantic meal and I'm going to cook something for a vet that is so incredibly time sensitive that it collapses within four minutes of being out of the oven. Oh, look, it's collapsed. Oh, well, I tried. It's his fault then. Mm. And I'm a disaster. And, you know, blah, blah, blah. 
So she, it's like deliberate. It's attention seeking in a way. Some people do it through things going wrong rather than mm. showing off about things going right. So it's kind of like a Munchausen's proxy thing, yeah. kind of. Kind of, yeah. Mm. Bizarre. I thought the whole thing was incredibly bizarre. But there's, that, there's obviously some, some deep meaning behind it. And, but also, uh, you know, she is a really good cook. You know, she, they go on about her roast dinners and she always is bringing, you know, hooty just going about, Shula's bringing her pavlova, one of her lovely whatevers, you know. She mm. wouldn't do tuna. And nobody makes stinky sandwiches like that. Mm. You know. I didn't even know what meat paste was. Oh, lucky old you. It's mm. grim. Uh, where are we with the tweets? Uh, we've done David Berg. Now we're doing Skyzer. All right. This is Anna. T- <laughs> this is exactly in my comment earlier about about finding it all a bit of a strain. This is the one I meant. Mm. Um, it's Anna Toboggan talking to Helen. Um, she says, "Anna, here's a clue. It rhymes with cape and comes before <laughs> seed oil." Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I think we've all got to say something. We're all shouting, just tell her! Oh, uh, I think I probably deafened people by doing that. Sorry. Um, right. Then there was a lot, 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 lot of moaning on the Twitters about the fact that mm. we didn't hear Ian going in to talk to Helen. The only reason I could think of them not doing it is that that poor woman, Helen, has been on every episode. She must be a nervous wreck by now. She's mm. been on every episode for about, nine months and she must be due some time off or something so maybe they just had to you know give her a you know maybe that was a chunk of episodes that they recorded without her which is why we just heard about it through ian mm-hmm. but yes it's a real it was a real shame that we missed we missed that uh but deborah said in a conversation with us actually and andrew horn said but it's not as if it was a major plot point like uh, Missing Bunting or Ginger Biscuits or Elf World. <laughs> <laughs> and Tweet of the Week. My very favourite, Rutha Ian, who said, this was uh, Lizzie and uh, Richard curled up under their blanket. Mm. Well, what would Nigel make of us? Well, if he was alive, he'd kill you, Richard. (laughs) (laughs) And that's it. Oh, smashing. All right. Let's um, whiz through this because we have a guest waiting in the wings who wants to say a little bit more. So, uh, com. go there. We've got a shop. Now, good news. Laura Jackson and I have started on all things uh, kind of dumdydum.com. Gave her a tutorial on WordPress and the and the back end, everybody. You'll be pleased Ooh. to know she has access to the back end. Uh, give us another couple of weeks and everything will be dusted off. And we're going to start with our she orders. She's dusting off your back end? Uh, the back end. The okay. back end is what, what she's dusting off. Uh, so your order of John Archers and all of that, Dumdy Dogs, Dumdy Mogs, it's all going to be on the website soon. So dumdydum.com, go there. It's also got a shop, a forum and everything. Now, the forum has been a little bit quiet recently because the site's been slow, but it's been half sorted. Is that because uh, of the Russians? Uh, the Russians have infiltrated. Yeah, well, yeah. There was a whole load of Russian activity. <laughs> 
on, on our website, and we think they've been expelled. It's like Mr. Robot. Yes, we think they've been expelled. But anyway, go there. Now, iTunes reviews, go into iTunes, write a review. You don't need to have an Apple device to go into iTunes to write a review. Uh, so uh, don't use that as an excuse to say, Royfield, Lucy, haven't done it. Please go do it. If you do anything, just go and do that five-star it, and then you can go yada, yada, yada in the kind of comments You don't section. have to five-star it if you don't like no, it. No, 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 no. Oh, sorry, sorry. Yeah, no. well, come on. You do, you do have to do Yes, yeah. absolutely. It's yeah. a prerequisite. Uh, so I choose it only accepts review, five stars, in fact. Is that going too far? No, I was trying to say, shall I segue and talk about the 80s band Five Star or the no, Italian the political movement, which is called by Grillo, Beppe Grillo, called Five Star, which is a softer, cuddlier version of kind of Don of Trumpism, UKIP. They're not as hard right and they're not anti-immigrant. And they have a, the the mayor of Rome is um, this insurgent Five Star candidate in Italy at the moment. Just saying. I didn't know which one to go with. Right. Maybe at this point I'll edit in Five Star, the 80s uh, kind of pop soul group. What do you reckon? The only thing anyone ever remembers about them is when someone rang in on Superstore, Saturday Superstore, (laughs) and said, I want to ask Five Star why they're so (laughs) shit. (laughs) And these were those glittery outfits, do you remember? Yeah. They're ridiculously glittery. Anyway, folks. They're probably all working in petrol stations now, aren't they? I don't know. I don't Stedman. know. Stedman. Stedman. Yes. He was well done. Well done. Well done. My you. God. I did a pop thing. I did a pop thing. Royfield. You did. You did. I was 30 years out of date, but I did it. <laughs> ask me anything about Noel Coward. Go on. Ask me anything. <laughs> I tell you what, folks. If you want uh, to continue this nonsense, uh, you can go onto our forum. So I'm slightly going back on myself. And you can talk about 80s pop references or even Noel Coward who actually had a place in Jamaica, just bringing that background to me culturally. But anyway, if you'd like to help keep our little show on the road after writing a a five-star review, pick your reference there as to what five-star means to you, you, there's two ways this can be done. You can do it by donating, by hitting our donate button on our website. Um, Yes, or you can go to patreon.com. Search for Dumpty Dum and you can donate $2 a show, which is about £1.50. Uh, remember, to get in contact, you can send us a voice message via SpeakPipe on our website. Or you can call us on 02030313105 to leave us a telephonic message. That's all good. Now, on social media, specifically the Twitters, you can find us where we're at Dumpty Dum. Me, I'm at Royfield. Harriet is at Sandbridges. Uh, Sarah Smith is at Sarah underscore Smith and I am at Lucy V Freeman and I'm at Sarah Thornton one I'm going to start following you on the Twitters now oh fantastic thank you I'll be tweeting about the weather and about the archers and really not much in between I have to tell you (laughs) that's it now uh, on the book of face (laughs) we have a whole load of like lurkers who are just liking us and some of them are lurking but some of them actually being quite active in their lurking Maybe they're lurching. I don't know. Uh, but anyway, they're on there. Book of Face. Go there. To find us, just type in Dumpty Dum on the Book of Face. And then you'll just, you can like or you can lurch. Whatever. It's awesome. Anything you'd like to say before? Because I know that our guest is itching to jump back in. Um, no. Great. All right, then. 
talk, talking about the archers because primarily that's the reason why why we're here chatting. So it's uh, trial week. What you know? Are, are you like you know gripping onto your sofa? I have been really gripped. I have to say, I was very very upset back in April when mm-hmm. the stabbing night happened, and even now I kind of have my own theory that. Certainly she did not wound him in the way that he ended up being wounded. So he was what? alone in that kitchen with a knife. <laughs> so, come on, I know he's evil beyond belief, but you saying, right, that she only just maybe just glanced him with, with that with that butter knife and then he reached it. Then she went out the room with Henry. He reached into uh, reached into the cutlery drawer, got out a carbine knife and then stabbed himself in the belly. Is that what well, you're I, saying? I don't think it was a butter knife that he pressed into her hand. I think it was a big knife. So I think she did. I think she did wound him. And we're not really quite sure. I don't feel sure anyway. From what we heard about exactly what it was that we heard. Mm. Um, but if we heard anything, we heard one and then a second blow. That's mm. what we feel that we heard. But we didn't hear cuts to his wrists. We did not hear that. But I was upset, and here's why. Mm. Because I felt that they'd stretched this storyline out. They'd really been teasing it. They had done a lot of plotting for two years to mm. really make this, you know, a kind of drip, drip, pernicious sort of, uh, you know, a whole kind of campaign from Rob against Helen. And to suddenly kind of come to that point where it just exploded into that, having made the point on numerous occasions that friends would try and help you get this, get through this, that someone like Kirsty, you know, with her persistence and saying something is wrong here, I am here for you, even though you won't admit it to me. Mm. And to say to those at home who might be in a similar position, because we're being told that's why they went down this line with the storyline, because... You know, it is something that people are affected by. And in rural communities, coercive control as well can be something that is a real issue. Mm. What is the end result of what this, what we're saying to people? That the only way out is either to kill yourself or to kill your spouse. And then either Helen becomes a victim because she's found guilty and she goes to prison. She's already been a victim, we know, because she effectively lost Henry. And, you know, she's been separated from her family, not able to speak to her mother, not able to speak to her friends and had all this time in custody or she gets off in which case we're saying what it's okay that's the way out that's the answer Sarah you taking the words out of my mouth and um, after direct the show directly after the stabbing I absolutely praised the actors praised the the writing in terms of it was absolutely a gripping episode because I listened to it in the car, I was driving back from Brighton, and I remember exactly where I was when uh, each incident happened. You know, one minute I was in Putney, then when she stabbed him, I was in Fulham, etc. But the overall message is actually a very bad one for all the reasons that you've actually said. The BBC have done a great service in terms of outlaying uh, coercive control and to, to show how kind of insidious if that's even the right word a lot of the elements can be that you don't even necessarily realize but how this it's a cumulative effect of how you can actually degrade somebody and take away their independence and have done a masterful job in outlying that but then the overall message is exactly what you've said the only way out is attempted murder extreme violence and then then to mangle 
the the aftermath, whether it's a legal mangling for dramatic reasons, which then just really just then just to show you that actually this is purely an instrument for dramatic purposes. That actually the the um, here is a great vehicle, a great issue, but then actually it's just for ratings. Just for ratings, exactly that. And I had this very debate with someone only this week, and I was putting my point of view across. You know, he did say to me, "Well, it's about ratings," and I said, "But that's what they said it wasn't about." Exactly. You and、mm. you can't have you can't wear both shoes in this scenario. Is it about ratings or is it about you know? Educating people about coercive control, which was not a crime and now is,、mm. and is something that people go through, and maybe people around them aren't aware of it. Any of it, but but I suppose that、uh, the whole point of that, though, in terms of the writing, is that、uh, he was he was so subtle, wasn't it? The, the fact that he could present this kind of relatively affable.、Um, Kind of family man face, not to, not quite to everybody. So with Charlie to Adam, etc., they saw at least part of the real Rob. You know,、mm. the, he's kind of his controlling nature, the fact that he was is absolutely a liar as well, and that he actually has this temper. But if you didn't have any real dealings with him, other than to say hello and pass him in the village shop, etc., or down a, a country lane. He was, you know, an upstanding, handsome man who was taken on somebody else's child. Oh, well, what a hero, etc., etc. Yeah, et and Susan Carter very much is in that. In that absolutely, but, absolutely. You know, lest we forget, and I, you know, okay, I'm never、yes. going to forget this bit of it.、Mm. We forget with her sackcloth and ashes. Everyone's favourite holier than thou woman, Shula. You know, she lied to the police. Now let's. Go back to that because it made no sense at the time.、Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it really didn't. Here's a woman who cast aside Alan and Usher just because she didn't like the religious iconography they had in the house.、Mm. But with this, she saw him hit the saboteur, the hunt, hunt sab, and then she lied about it. And she, what is you know, even now it's not like she's saying. When she was talking to Caroline about it recently, and Anna, she's not like saying, "Well, I was confused. I wasn't sure what I saw, and you know, the light was bad, and there was a bit of a shadowing effect, and I couldn't, see, you know, and I turned around, and it was in the middle of it." She's actually saying, "I lied to the police." So she knew it at the time. It didn't make any sense to me then.、Mm. It makes less sense. I, I tell to me you、now. what, you, you know what, you are right. She's an absolute hypocrite because, as far as she's concerned, the hunt was more important than the truth. You know, that's the, you, think,、yeah. you know, a- a- absolutely, absolutely. That's the reason why she lied because she says the interests of the hunt are more important than the truth, and she saw Rob lose it. And you're completely right. She couldn't put it down to meteorological conditions, could she? She couldn't、no. say there was some scattered showers, and、uh, you know. But I don't think she's anybody's favourite archer, though. I think you were wrong there. But then again, I think you were you were being somewhat elastic with the truth there, weren't you? <laughs> I certainly was myself.、Yeah. No one likes her. Not even Alistair. Her own husband doesn't like her. <laughs> <laughs> It's true.、Uh, remember when Alistair? Do you remember like there was a year where Alistair's best lines were him honking a horn? That's all we ever heard for <laughs> one year from Alistair. It was tooting a horn. Bye, Alistair. See you. Remember? <laughs> <laughs> right now, no, no. Come on. Right, you're, you're going to come on again. You're the best guest we've ever had, and we've had some <laughs> big ones. We've had Kerry Davies, who writes the bloody thing. You better than it, him,、yeah. right? We've had、um, Tim Bentinck,、uh, David Archer. You're much better than、wow. him. Much better than him. 
Right, we've had him on three times and you're better than him. Um, we've had um, Terrible that mate that plays Mike Tucker. All right. Wow. You, you, you're yeah. much, we've had the greats. We've had, you know, Ambridge Stalwarts on. Right. Graham Seed, have you had him on? Yeah, him we've on? had him on. Friend of the show, isn't yeah, he? Graham yeah, absolutely. Seed, yeah. absolutely. Mm-hmm. We had a dinner in his, in his honour. I know. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. And you're better than all of them. You're just saying that so I will tell you some scurrilous gossip that I'm oh, not going to tell you. I'll give us give us one bit of, of gossip. Insider, Met, weather person, slash BBC weather gossip. Go on. And then I'm going to say uh, goodbye. Uh, do I have any? I I'll don't tell know you what. Okay, I... I'll tell you what. This is what I'm going to do. All right, listeners, that's the end of Dum De Dum. Now we're off mic. Go. <laughs> <laughs> No, but what I am going to do, as I'm, mm. when we hang up, I'm going to send you the picture of me in Ooh. the Archer studio with a knife in my hand in the kitchen where Helen stabbed, Rob, Helen stabbed Rob and they took me in there the day after the episode, the episode. Was there still blood aired. everywhere? Were there like, mm? was, was there blood everywhere still? No, but I do know what she stabbed in the making of the show. Oh. And I was, yeah, so what, it was very exciting because I was doing the weather there. Mm at BBC Birmingham and they knew I was a massive Archers fan yep. well, largely because I walked around with a big sign on me going I'm a massive Archers fan <laughs> and then I stood in the middle of the newsroom like waxing lyrical on the Monday about mm. why or the day after the stabbing was it Monday, Tuesday um, just saying this was a disgrace and here's why here my story and um, and so basically they came they came from the Archers it's mm. like this it's like a 50s B-movie isn't it they came from the Archers and uh, they said, come along, we're going to show you around. It was the most exciting moment. So, yeah, there's a picture of me and a knife and a thing. And I will send it to you. But I don't want to post it on social media because, actually, I don't want to spoil it for anyone. You know what I mean? I think when you go behind the scenes or you go behind the curtain, which mm. is hiding the Wizard of Oz, yeah. you don't want it to spoil things for you, do you? You don't want to see this tiny little man operating some machinery. And so that's why I've never posted the picture. Um, they gave me a really good look around. I know that people can go uh, to BBC Mailbox and they can have a tour anyway if they pay for one. But um, mm. yeah, so it was it was one of the most exciting moments of my life. I'm not joking when I tell you that that was such a big moment for me. Compared to that, how does appearing on Dum De Dum figure? So when I said one of the most exciting moments of my life, this is another one of the most exciting moments of my life. You know what, I don't trust you as far as I can throw. You're too quick off the mark, you. (laughs) Too (laughs) silver-tongued, Sarah Thornton. That's what they pay me the big bucks for, I'll tell you. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I didn't even get to ask you how you pick your outfits or anything. Oh, next time. Next Next time, time, indeed. Take care, dear listener. See you all next week. You're awesome. Oh, I loved it. Thank you so much. No, no, no. You're serious. I'm kind of in love with you. And I don't just say that to everybody. But (laughs) my voice is going really (laughs) high-pitched. Je viens 
Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. No. 